Wes and Walker, 1 o'clock hour, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Thanks for joining us. We'll be here with you for the next two hours before we hand it off to Kyle Bailey. Still have another appearance from one Wes Bryant, live from the Weston for ACC Media Days. Before we really start to dig deep into Charlotte 49er Team Week audio, we still have to share these dessert takes. On the mm. text line, 704-570-9610. 971 wrote in. Mint chocolate chip with a brownie and hot fudge. Is it good? Do I love it? Mm-hmm. I do, I do, I do. Wow, you did that again, and it just really takes away the joy out of doing this. I do, I do, I do. Which is how you're, <laughs> which is how your girlfriend needs to be prepared. This is how you're going to say your I do at the wedding. And if you don't, <laughs> if you don't, I will, would- I will be... I will ruin your wedding night because I will become the most degenerate person at the party. Yeah. If you don't do that when you say I do. Fitty, I'm not going to lie to you. I love that you brought that to my attention. (laughs) Because when that day comes, you are so right about putting a little spice on it. If I go Kel version, I do. Instead of just normal, I do. And then crying like, no, let's spice things up at the altar. Fitty, leave it to you. A man that claims that he can't get a date to have the best altar idea that I've heard of. That's I like it a lot, Fiddy. So thank you for that idea. I appreciate that. You can live vicariously through me also. Whenever, if I were to get married, which obviously isn't going to happen. <laughs> um, Not with that attitude, buddy. I want my own music that I'm going to walk down to the aisle as lo- as well as my groomsmen. So you, you want on deck circle music when yes. you're walking up to the plate? <laughs> yes, absolutely I do. Well, hold on. What is the song going to be? Is it is it going to be Billy Joel? Because it's not going to be Man. I mean, it would be an all time letdown, but that's your song. It might mean something sentimental to you, but it would not get the people going. It is not provocative. No, in my head, it would always be me and the guys walking down to the Game of Thrones uh, intro music because like, Instead you know, of winter is coming. Fiddy is coming. <laughs> All right, let's read some other text. 704-570-9610. It was a Game of Thrones reference. It was a Game of Thrones reference, and you take it there. You just can't say that word. You just can't say it. Can I get someone professional, please? 704-570-9610. We have some more text rolling in on what is the best combo to go along with chocolate. Um, Bagel Guy said, uh, or excuse me, we have plenty of people that are angry with Fiddy or with Willie and Fiddy. Michael, the 49er fan. Willie, I was on your side the entire time with the cooking topics, but you just lost all credibility saying mint doesn't go with chocolate. Not peppermint, Willie, just mint. Get out of here with your dry-ass brisket take. You are Seriously? no chef anymore. Man, Michael, 49er fan just went in. <laughs> I apologize. Coach Pauly with a good combo. Walker, chocolate-covered oranges. Wow. My you take God. this outfit home. Wow. Are you burning? I'm telling you, Fitty, it's good stuff. Oranges, been the, oranges alone are terrible. You put chocolate on them, I'm out. Do you like orange juice? Do not. So it's a, it's not just a texture thing for you. It's no, flavor. It's it's all the way around. Uh, Cacalac, no love for chocolate and caramel. Yeah, that's a great combo, too. Deserves to be mentioned. Yeah, I mean, like I feel like that's a given, though, because like you get it in what? It's in Snickers. It's in Twix. Well, so is peanut butter. And yet you went with the easy way out. I know, but like there's just something very heavenly about chocolate and peanut butter together it's it should be mentioned yeah it's very good i'm not gonna lie if, if you don't like it i'm i'm pretty surprised about anybody that doesn't like reese's cups out there 704 with a great mention too girls count thin mint cookies thank you yes girls scout you take this outfit home are you burning i said girls count by the way which oh. they do 
I thought that was what he was saying. <laughs> but Girl Scout is what he meant to say. That was a Ron Burgundy moment. Girls, you count. 100% and even more so. And also Girl Scout cookies. Those count. Thin mint cookies. They're delightful. So you're right. So you do think they uh, align then. If you like the... You, oh, you said burn Oh, it. no, no, no. KG showed back up. You want to know why? You know why I showed back up? Anything is possible! Last one. King of the Marlowe Militia. <laughs> hey, lanky ass. <laughs> why am I catching straight? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. I don't know why. Hey, Lanky ass, do you know anything about what's going on with the scoreboard at Charlotte, UNC Charlotte? We're getting a new one, question mark? Yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know. We can uh, maybe ask Mike Hill in a future appearance, but Mac and Bone, I'm not sure if they talked about that earlier today. Let's find out, shall we, by visiting the campus corner. Time now. Let me do it like Wes. Time now for the campus. Coda. All right. We got some sound bites. Let's start with Biff Pogey before we move on to Mike Hill. Biff Pogey at the AAC Media Days down in Texas. Whew. He said he was excited to move to a bigger stage, and they're ready to compete as they transition conferences. What the league accomplished last year is incredible. What Tulane did was incredible. But there's a lot of depth in the league. There's a lot of teams that are really good. We're excited to have the opportunity to move to a bigger stage, and uh, we're really looking forward to uh, to participating. Yeah, Biff Pogey, we're not some Conference USA team coming into this conference, end quote. My man, Biff Pogey, he might have only had three comments today because there were only three questions answered, but in those three, he managed to give you some sound bites, especially with his dismount being a little bit better than Willie P's. No disrespect to Steamboat Willie P. What do you make of that comment? We're not some Conference USA team going to the AAC. I, and look, may, maybe I'm wrong. Let's Let's just keep it locally. Has any other coach put more pressure on themselves to deliver in year one than Biff Pogey has? So I heard Kyle talking about this with you, and he said financially, no, because Biff Pogey is worth a ton of money, way more than the usual coach getting this kind of big break in the sense of him becoming a head coach at a college for the first time. Because this man worked on Wall Street, because the man is a millionaire, no, financially, there's not a lot of pressure. But we know that these coaches care about this stuff. We know that Biff Pogey did not sign up for this job just to lose. And so if you lose more games than you're expected to and what you expect of yourself by ending your press conference saying, we get the message loud and clear why you rank us last within this conference. Hey, if you don't think that you should be last, that's great. I love it as a Charlotte fan, but you are right to some degree. He's coming out. He's firing on all accounts, saying, no, we demand our respect, and we're going to show you out there on the football field that we can win. If you don't, then, yeah, these comments are going to come back to bite you. That's just how it bites you. That's how it is. Yeah. But I, I think you're right, and I think it's also good. I think both of those things can be true for Biff Poach. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's it, like in our position, like we want Charlotte to win. We want them to be good. We want them to be a talking point on the station. But, man, it's kind of like, are you ready for the the reverse, like the negative energy if you fall flat on your face? Like you've come out and said, we're going to be a top 15 defense in the country. We're not a Conference USA team. We're ready to compete in a conference that Tulane beat USC a year ago. USC had the Heisman Trophy winner. Like there's good football to be played here in the American. So I hope he delivers. But you got to keep the same energy if you fall flat on your face. I'll tell you this, man. I'd rather my coach be that confident than not. Yeah. And say like, hey, you know, we'll see what happens, yada, yada. No, nah, I'm cool with this. You go ahead and be confident. You go win those games because we're starving for it as Charlotte 49er fans. Now, here I am talking about the dismount. We have the audio. 
Here's Biff Pogey leaving the podium at the end of his media availability. That's it. Three questions. Maybe that's because you have us ranked last. That's all what you think of us. So that that we get that message. Thank you. <laughs> Pounding the gavel into the podium. That's it. Thank you. Biff Pogey is so football coach. I mean, he is so football coach, man. I love every bit of it. We have plenty of questions, by the way, coach. Like, come on. I'll have more than three for you. If you allow us the time, I have more than three for you, and we'd glad we'd be glad to ask them to you on Wesson Walker. So you mentioned he's so football coach. I was I was doing some stuff today and getting in preparation for the show where I just went to Google and, and typed in Biff Pogey. There were pictures of him from his high school coaching days. Coaching games in a sleeveless tank top. Yeah, I know. That, that's his thing. And it, he's so football coach. That's his thing, man. He looks great. He, I don't, I don't know how great he looks, but I think he looks great as yeah. my coach in a sleeveless, t- in a sleeveless shirt out there, just making sure everybody's doing their job. Yeah, I just said a sleeveless tank top, which is what it is. Like I just said it the same thing back to back, but it wasn't. No sleeve tank tops are my favorite. Right, of course. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, this this guy means business. Uh, yeah, TC, you are right. He did just drop the mic, and Jack said, "Is there a more electrifying man in Charlotte right now?" Than Biff Pogey. It's if we're talking head coaches, it is certainly not Steve Clifford or Frank Reich. <laughs> Steve Clifford doesn't hold back. I don't want to say that he's boring, but I don't think anybody's as electrifying as he is at the head coaching spot right now. At least I wouldn't think so. Let's move on to the Mike Hill athlete uh, to the athletic director, I should say, in Mike Hill's comments earlier today on Mac and Bone. Here we are talking about moving conferences. Here's Mike Hill talking about just that. It's transformational for our program, for our university, and for all the reasons that you just articulated. Um, You know, and look, this is a program that that has a lot of momentum. We just set a school record with eight conference championships this past year, which is a remarkable feat, considering that we broke the previous year's record of five. Um, So we have teams that are performing at a really high level. And um, the bottom line is that the American sees that momentum and sees the potential in our place. We've talked about it before. The athletic department, it is moving in the right direction. In really every single sport, I would say except football and basketball. And I'm not even trying to say that, that is the, they're moving in the wrong direction. I like the direction they're going with Biff Pogey. That's mm-hmm. not to say that they're going downhill, right? I just mean in the wins and losses. There are Charlotte softball team, excellent track. Baseball, we've already had success with their baseball team. It's been excellent all across the board. Basketball. Not meeting expectations. Ron Sanchez seems like he gets out of Dodge before he might get fired at the end of this next season. And then he goes back to Virginia where he once came from. Same thing with the football program, right? Will Healy, after a bowl season, a couple of years later, ends up being fired. I think it was the right decision. And now enter Biff Pogey. So if you can get these things back on track, then there's not too many weaknesses that you're talking about. I will say this, though. NIL... When your head coach comes out and talks about people donating to the football program, then you're going to have to answer questions about NIL yourself. Mike Hill, Mike Hill did that on Mac and Bone earlier today, discussing the issue, or maybe not just the Charlotte issue that is name, image, and likeness. We have a lot of NIL activity, uh, for sure, and I think everybody would like to see more, but this is not unique to Charlotte. I talked to my colleagues across the country, and uh, without singling any of them out, I would say there are schools that at the uh, at the power five level and there are certainly programs that at the uh, you know level of the American and others that are facing the same challenges so this is not unique to us 
But I think the fact that we have two platforms, you know, in place, there's a there's a collective that's in place that was formed this spring. Uh, that's been been funded by some some uh, people who are interested in the program and want to support it. Uh, the Gold Mine Alliance, and then we also have the Niner Exchange, which is a platform we launched late in 2022 that allows businesses and individuals to connect directly with our student athletes. I have one more soundbite I want to get to before we move on. Maybe we can finish up some of our thoughts in the next segment. But I did want to get to this one from Mike Hill because here we are talking about the chicken or the egg thing. Our fans going to have to show up during home games in order to help you win more games or are you going to have to win more games first and then the fans will show up in that regard you could argue either way you want to but if that is the case as you move to a bigger more competitive conference as you do hope to win more football games and do hope to have more butts in seats and i would imagine you want more seats for those butts to fill well here's michael talking about possible stadium expansion yeah, so we're still, you know, we're obviously still working hard on on uh, developing those plans. We're currently in what's considered the advanced planning stages. There's the process we go through with the state, um, and that we issued RFPs uh, a little earlier or late spring into early summer, and that process is continuing. And um, we also are simultaneously, you know, sort of, you know, in the quiet uh, phase of our of our fundraising. It's a it's a massive project for football. Um, but you know, it's 14 months in from the time we announced that we were that we had renderings of a new state of a stadium expansion. We've made significant process progress, rather, and so. But this process is one that does take some time. And I think right now, what our focus has to be is this upcoming season. Let's fill the dang stadium. Let's again you know, the one the one that we have. You know, 15,300 seats because I think we can demonstrate to the community the need for more seats and uh, that will help us certainly with our efforts to, to raise the dollars needed to expand right before we start to expand then you need to fill those things out because there's nothing more embarrassing than having a football team that is getting beat down while not having anybody in the upper section of your stadium after you add some of those seats in the previous offseason just for no one to sit in. That would be bad. Now, ultimately, everything is going to be decided by winning games. You win more games, all of this gets a lot easier, and a lot of this figures itself out. Maybe we can finish some of those comments. You can text in 704-570-9610, as it always is. Plenty more football conversation coming up. We'll talk about the big boys. Vets reporting to training camp today. Practice starts. Tomorrow, it's all on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Panthers vets reporting to training camp. Down in Wofford, Spartanburg, South Carolina. What are the most important position battles on the defensive side of the football? We want to hear your thoughts. 704-570-9610. Again, that number is 704-570-9610. We didn't get to a lot of this yesterday. We touched on it a little bit. Defensive tackle. Wes talked about that. Shy Tuttle. Deshaun Williams. A couple battles going on there. Bravion Roy. A holdover from the Matt Rule era. And also, you have Marquan McCall on this team. Who are going to be the guys that make the 53-man roster? That are some of the questions that we have as the defensive players and just a lot of the vets. Everybody reporting today before they start practice tomorrow. I wanted to talk about the defensive potential as a whole as well. Because Mina Kimes on ESPN, I think NFL Live yesterday... 
she talked about a Jero Avero having the kind of impact on this team to where this could be the best defense in the NFC South and not just a Vero, but another addition they made this offseason would help them reach the top spot in the division as well. They needed a couple things to turn that sort of promise into realized potential, and I think they added both of them. One was the hiring of their defensive coordinator, Jiro Evero, who many people thought would be a head coach by now around the league, coming from Denver, where he did a fantastic job with that group. And then one of my favorite free agency signings this entire offseason was them adding Von Bell at safety. Jiro's defenses use a lot of disguise. Those safeties are constantly rotating post-snap. And to have a veteran safety there pairing in with Jeremy Chin and Xavier Woods, who has a lot of experience doing that in Cincinnati, to me, it was the final piece, and it's the thing that I think is going to bring this defense together in 2023. We've talked about the position history with this Carolina Panthers franchise, and it is rich at the linebacker position. You can go days and days naming all pro. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's actually crazy to talk about all of the talent that they've had at the linebacker spot. Safety is not one of those positions that is rich in history. Mike Minner is the best. A very good safety, not all pro guy ever, but a very good safety and I think is going to be kind of dicey whether we see his name on the ring of honor. It's one of those. It's it's in that neighborhood of it could go either way. But after that, what are the other safeties that we're pointing to? Kurt Coleman had a very good year. You got mad at me for saying an awesome year. Okay. (laughs) When you are that high in interceptions, I think it's an awesome year. But again, the longevity isn't there for Kurt Coleman. Now the safety depth, it's real. Jamie Robinson is your fifth-round pick. Xavier Woods was a good depth piece last season. Feel totally comfortable with him back there in the secondary. And now you bring in Jeremy Chin alongside Von Bell, who Mina Kimes is talking about right there. So if your secondary holds up, especially on the outside with the cornerbacks and Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn, of course, we feel very good about Dante, not as much. But if he can stay healthy, then... I think it's okay. I feel comfortable enough with what they have on that side of the ball, especially with the Jero Avero working really well with what he had in Denver at actual very similar strengths with that Denver Broncos defense that he was working with last year. What do you make of Mina Kimes' comments that the potential that they've always had the last couple of years could be realized in the form of them being the top defense in the division? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that the thing is, is that, like, you know, Avero is going to do some things schematically that I think is all, it's already going to improve this defense, right? But now, as great as players as Brian Burns is, as great as a player as J.C. Horn when healthy is, as productive as Shaq Thompson can be, you now got a guy back there in Von Bell that knows the game, that is going to know how to get guys organized and get them lined up to, to, to be in the, the places they need to get to to play football at, at a really high level, and they haven't had that. So you're going to have structure from your coaching staff, which you need. But you're also going to have on-field structure with, with Von Bell back there as a guy that really helped elevate uh, a pretty below-average defense at first in Cincinnati to one that was helping them go to back-to-back AFC Championship game appearances and stuff like that. And what I find interesting, Walker, is when I first got into the NFL, it felt like you had to have a dynamic safety to be a really, really good defense. That's kind of changed now. But I think you're seeing in in, in certain schemes and stuff like that, if you've got an experienced veteran safety that knows what he's doing back there, it makes a difference. And he's going to help this team, I think, take that next step forward to being a top 10 defense, both in points, 
yards and all the other metrics that matter. Yeah, safety was viewed as kind of one of these positions, I would say, I don't know, before really the last five years that maybe you could save some money on. So it was a little bit of a roller coaster in that regard. Maybe you think about the the era of the great safeties. You can go to Brian Dawkins and Ed Reed, whoever you want to roll with. And then maybe it was viewed as somewhat running back light in the Mm -hmm. sense you could save money at that position. I think it's actually trending in the other direction now. I think what you're starting to see are guys that can play at a lot of different areas. Having the queen on the chessboard. Having the Buda Baker that does a lot of stuff in Arizona, big-time paid safety. Having someone like a Jamal Adams who plays great up front, but also you trust on the back end. He got a big old payday when he was traded from the Jets to Seattle, and it was just that New York didn't want to pay him. So you're starting to see these versatile pieces. You have one with the potential in Jeremy Chen. Yep. And I think that's why you really like Von Bell coming over to this team. So if Von Bell's not going to be the chess piece, if he's just going to be rolling back there in the secondary and you feel great about it, now you can have Jeremy Chin at a lot of different spots. We're over. And I know Phil Snow and Jeremy Chin, the rumors were that they didn't get along a ton because Jeremy Chin didn't love his role. I wonder if Chin wanted to play closer to the line of scrimmage like he did years before and just didn't because they didn't have enough bodies. And so Jeremy Chin had to go back to the safety position once they got back a Frankie Louvu, a Shaq Thompson, maybe a little bit more depth at that linebacker spot, especially with Louvu breaking out. But here in this write-up on ESPN, you can talk about the 53-man projection. Safety only has four guys, but all four of them could play pretty significant roles with Jamie Robinson being a wild card. Here's the write-up. The addition of Bell not only improved the talent level, it freed up Jeremy Chen to play multiple positions that should be key for this defense. Chin spent most of OTAs in the big nickel spot, but he can cover deep. He can play outside linebacker and you can create matchup problems for teams that have standouts at tight end and in the slot. He struggled in coverage before. So I hope that the coverage of arrows coaching can help him in that regard. But if he is better at covering tight ends, then yeah, you can use him in a lot of different ways while not sacrificing talent on the back end because you went out and you got Von Bell. Hell Lou Anarumo. Great defensive coordinator for Cincinnati that really came on strong. Von Bell, he used him a lot in Mm -hmm. the sense that he was being able to go creative uh, schemes all across the board, right? Avero is that guy for us. Von Bell can be that guy. Jeremy Chin can be one of the versatile prototypical safeties that moves all across the board. Love what you have with that potential, again, to continue to use the word, the theme that Mina Kimes is rolling with, except this year it can be realized to where we might have a top 10 defense in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, like like, like when, when Jeremy Chin got moved back off the line of scrimmage, it didn't make a lot of sense given how much success he had playing close to the line, but it felt like Matt Rule and, and Phil Snow, they they needed him back there, but they, they, they took away what, what he's best at, which is being a unicorn, a guy that can do a bunch of different things. I thought Xavier Woods was going to be a guy that was really going to stabilize the back end of the defense. It didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to. He wasn't bad, though. He wasn't bad, but like I saw him in Dallas make some really nice plays. I thought they would be more more frequent here in Carolina. That didn't happen. But if Von Bell can hold down the back end, and you can see Jeremy Chin line up, you know, next to or opposite Brian Burns and rush the quarterback. I know Mac was talking about seeing him in the nickel spot, and he got really giddy seeing him maybe be a nickel corner for this defense and stuff like that. If he can do all those different things, cover tight ends and stuff like that, I think you're going to see the best version of himself. And I know West kind of laughed at us calling him like Troy Palomalu Troy Palomalu light or whatever. It's always been exaggerated. But this can be a guy that can do a bunch of different things for you defensively, which will make up some of the areas where you are deficient in, which is opposite pass rusher, and there's concerns in that 
that cornerback room. Well, and, and I'll defend Phil Snow in this. I thought it was totally reasonable for him to move back to safety because that's the position you drafted him to play. I know that he was better up front. I know he was better at close to the line of scrimmage, but also he was so young. It wasn't written in stone that he couldn't play on the back end anymore. Yeah. Like here we are talking about a guy defensive rookie of the year, second in the voting process. I've mentioned a million times. Okay. That kind of potential on that side of the ball. Second year you have injuries. He moves closer. He balls out. And now everybody's like, wait, maybe this is the right spot, but it doesn't mean that you were never going to put him back. Right. It doesn't mean that you were never going to put him back in the secondary where you originally drafted him to play like you didn't draft him to play linebacker. That was never in the cards, at least at the beginning. But now it kind of is. And so I thought it was totally fine to experiment with him going back to the position you drafted him to play. It didn't work out as much. Maybe you're not comfortable with this with the timeline Phil Snow was on. Maybe you thought he should have brought him closer to the line of scrimmage a little earlier. But now we know. Now we know. And so we'll see exactly how Ajero Vero decides to use him. And you have help. You didn't have as much help at the safety spot in the yeah. last couple of seasons. Now you have help with Von Bell. Here we are talking about the secondary position battles. Safety will be interesting just because you're deep and they can all be on the field at the same time. Now you're going to have multiple cornerbacks out on the field as well. But I don't know if that's a good thing outside of the outside guys and Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn. And it's all about them staying healthy anyway. Ryan Clark said the same thing on NFL Live discussing their availability that directly impacts just how good this defense can be. When you look at J.C. Horn, I think people are starting to forget he was drafted before Patrick Sertan the second. They're both coming off of season-ending injuries in which J.C. Horn has suffered his first two years in the league. He's also missed time this offseason. Dante Jackson coming off of an Achilles. If those two men are healthy and 100%, this could be the best defense in the NFC South. And if they are, and then Bryce Young continues to come along on the offensive side of the ball, especially with this coaching staff that's assembled around him, this team could win the NFC South and be one of those teams that drafted first overall because they were able to move up and found themselves in the playoffs. I just don't have a ton of confidence that both guys are going to stay healthy this season. If it keeps happening, then at some point it's on us to just not fool ourselves into expecting that it's, they're going to start, what, 14 games? Mm -hmm. J.C. Horn I have more hope for. J.C. Horn, he's been in the league two years. It goes a little bit along the same lines I was talking about with Jeremy Chin. His history, or his future, I should say, is not written yet. We don't know. J.C. Horn is such a young player. He's already very good. If he stays on the field, we're probably giving him more love. And Ryan Clark is not talking about J.C. Horn was drafted before Patrick Sertan. Instead, you're talking about how great the two guys were drafted back-to-back instead of acting like it was some mistake Carolina made drafting J.C. Horn instead of Patrick Sertan. I, I have more faith just because there's more unknown with J.C. to me to say that he can stay on the field. Dante Jackson, not as much. Well, I mean, you got to look at the injury history, too. Like like, like what J.C. suffered in, as his rookie year was kind of just a, a freak accident that kind of happened. I mean, and look, I know science has come a really long way. I can attest to that having torn my ACL. Right, and you were a warrior out there, man. I mean, you <laughs> stayed on the field countless times. You know, like whenever you have an Achilles injury, it's really hard, I think, to come back get healthy and stay healthy. The problem is, is that for the most part, when, when, when Dante Jackson's been on the field, it feels like he's been a very productive number two corner and stuff like that. But I don't know about you. I still wonder in the back of my head, 
Should they have invested in him over Stephon Gilmore? I don't know. And I, I, and I think some of that was whether Stefan wanted to come back. Yeah, but I mean, like, he, he went to Indianapolis. Well, Indianapolis was expected to be pretty good. That was a surprise bad team. Yeah, I mean, I get that. But, like, you know, hometown kid, you, you felt somewhat still optimistic going into year three under Matt Rule because, you had, I mean, if you didn't, you were just a depressed human being. But that's Matt the, Rule in that era, they, or that regime, they really liked Dante. They, they did, but, you know, that doesn't, I mean, I More like. More than me. You know, look, I like a lot of people, but, I mean, it doesn't mean they like they like me back or you invest in them. Well, no, I'm to your point, you're, you're saying should Carolina have decided to go with Stephon Gilmore despite being older instead of Dante Jackson? I think that's a reasonable thing to ask. My thing was, Matt Rule, as much as I've defended Dante being a fine number two corner, they loved him. And this was part of the problem. I always thought it was a little weird how much he would point to Dante Jackson, say how tough he was, and he was playing through injuries. And even if, look, so Dante Jackson played 16 games his rookie season. That was the only time he came close to that. He had 14 games, 13 games started in 2020. He played 12 and 21. He played nine last year. So this is someone that misses a lot of games or a decent amount every single season. And I just wonder how much Matt Rule was forcing him out there when he 100% wasn't ready. And there are rumblings, too, about how that's kind of how that regime operated. Yeah. And if you weren't tough enough then there was there was some level of chastising going on and you just wouldn't play but they they celebrated dante almost in a way that makes me think it was probably bad for his future <laughs> I, I i love dante like i i like the fire that he brings i want him out there covering your smaller faster wide receivers i think he's perfectly fine at that spot i just hope that he can this season hopefully with a better staff a better regime well, it certainly seems more competent. Hopefully, all of that points up for, uh, upward for Dante's health and his production. One of the things I think you got to like about him is if you go back to last year at training camp, there was a leadership role that, that, that he had taken on in, in the secondary and on that defense. And I think something that we, we really learned last year, uh, really before Steve Wilkes took over and, and put Carolina in playoff contention, there weren't a lot of leaders on that side of the ball. As great as a player as Brian Burns is, as good as a player Jeremy Chin is, Shaq Thompson, those types of guys are, there weren't a whole lot of leaders. Dante was a, a leader, but it's hard to lead when you're not on the football field 16, 17 times in a, in a season. Yeah, you're pointing a lot at Shaq Thompson, but then the other guys that are talented are somewhat young. So Brian Burns now, I think with another year under his belt, this seems like the jump that he makes to leadership, and I expect that to happen. I think he's kind of taken that on himself, by the way. J.C. Horn, still young enough to where he's not going to have more clout than a Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, as it currently stands, even Derek Brown, somebody that you mm -hmm. intend to invest in still a younger football player so when some of your best players on that side of the ball are still relatively young it probably is hard to garner leadership outside of Shaq Thompson but now it's kind of hitting at the right time coaching staff competent Frank Reich Derek Brown another year Brian Burns another year older and they're all here still I think now is probably where you see a more vocal type of leadership from those guys it does feel like this team and this roster is kind of coming of age and what's going to be interesting, because you know this is going to happen, is what's going to be the narrative from Matt Rule if this team goes 10-7, and 11-6? This buffoon will sit out there in the cornfields in Nebraska and say, see, I built them up. They didn't let me see it all the way through. Then they become a winner. I think with Burns, it's kind of like the inverse of becoming a leader with, with what we saw with LaMelo. 
You gave LaMelo $207 million, which kind of looks cheap now after what Jalen Brown got paid earlier today. Mm, it's a big contract. But, you know, for Brian Burns, after Carolina did not decided not to trade him, and if I was actual Scott Scott Fitter, if I was the real Fitty, his ass would have been shipped out to L.A. for what they were wanting. Mm, you got to put his ass on it. Mm, I mean, okay. Like, like, like that should have been something for him from an ownership standpoint. Okay, they believe in me. They value me. I'm going to become the face of this defense. I think that's going to happen more so this offseason. And we're, I think we're going to see that on display with camp starting fully tomorrow. All right, we're going to hear once again from Wes Bryant. He's at the Westin for ACC Media Days. What kind of trouble has he gotten into? We're going to find out coming up next. It's Weston Walker. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Chief Walker, number one Chief Walker. I'm telling you, Fitty, this was the beat that I rapped over the one time that I wrote a, a pretty hot, uh, pretty hot song with my boys back in the day. This was the instrumental that we chose. I'm gonna go ahead and thank you on the air for the drop you just gave me. Uh, 704-570-9610. You can tell us if there was a certain rap that you guys made back in the day. If you want to live on memory lane, Wes, I know you and I have talked about this quite a bit. Wes Bryant, one half of Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 uh-huh. WFNZ. Uh, do you approve of the instrumental that we chose freshman year college Walker back in the day? Yeah, no doubt. And I think that the type of lyricist that you are definitely is a reflection of the beats that you choose. Too. So I think that if you choose that beat, that definitely means you come in the hand of business if you choose Chief Rocker because you can't you can't not do that beat justice if you're going to choose the rap on. Yeah, it, uh, look, I understood the assignment when I chose that beat. And it wasn't even just yeah. me. It was a bunch of my other friends that were hopping on it as well. Um, I, I like to think that I did okay. Now, the other songs I recorded multiple. Let's just say I don't brag about the other beats that I chose. It was only that one that I feel like I did a good job. That is the voice. Yeah, we, we did a lot of that in college. Yeah, I bet you did. Uh, we'll have to play some of that sometimes. Maybe we can uh, bleep uh, some can. of it out. Yeah, Fitty would have to do a lot of bleeping. Uh, KC Steve wrote in spaghetti, spaghetti Walker coming out. That's right. It's still hanging on the bulletin board right now. My quote, spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti said by Walker mail. That's the voice of Wes Bryant joining us on the body works plus guest hotline. Wes, what have you been up to in the last hour that we haven't talked? Man. So it's been crazy. Cause like I said, we somehow got scheduled the longest break of my tenure here. So we've been on a three hour break. I don't know how this happened. So I've just been hanging out, eating lunch and uh, listening to music, paying bills and, Okay. You know, just doing all that type of stuff. Okay. So, <laughs> eating food. We've gotten from Wes on a Tuesday. This, so, this is my question, right? Because you've talked uh-huh. about asking a mannequin questions about the U. You've talked about yeah. eating lunch, paying bills, and here we are yeah. just not, you know, there's just not a lot to be done. It's not your fault. There's just this big old gap. Do you think making this a three-day event is a little too much and is overkill when the, the last few years it's just been two-day events? Well, yeah, you know what? I would say so because I think that what it does is kind of, I think you have to be more strategic in how you're going to schedule the teams because you're going to have days where some people are going to treat it certain ways where like a day like today, let's just be honest, we don't have uh, any of the marquee teams here. You could maybe say Miami, but like I said, they haven't really established themselves as one of the marquee teams like that. So I think that does kind of hurt as far as the buzz and the vibes around here because, uh, you know, on the other days when you get the Clemsons and the North Carolinas and the Florida States and things of that nature, it's a little bit more of a palpable buzz. But a day like today, it seems like it's a little bit more lax 
because I think in the eyes of a lot of people, we don't have a lot of true contenders in the building. I mean, Miami could surprise, but if I were to ask you out of the four teams that were here today, do you think any of these guys would win an ACC championship? You'd probably say no. Right. I think 100%. This is why the other two days, especially here, I guess, with with us being you know a, a team based in Charlotte or a radio station based in Charlotte covering the Carolinas, this probably is going to be one of the days that you don't look at as much as the other two coming up on Wednesday and Thursday. Here's the other thing I wanted to ask you, though, because we did get the emails, all the media members that do plan on attending ACC Media Days. We are invited to vote on the 2023 ACC football preseason all ACC team. All right, that was a lot. You can also predict the order of the finish when you're voting for some of these guys. Now, I'm a little afraid, Wes, and here's why. Fitty, he grinned at me when he said he got this email too. And I just wonder if Fitty and Flounder and look, Flounder, I think, cares more about football than Fitty does, at least at the college level. Fitty is more the college basketball guy as Heel Tough Blog is split. But are you afraid that they're going to be voting on things like who the best offensive linemen are when I doubt that they've been, you know, really studying the film from last year and the guys that are returning in the ACC? You know what? That's always the thing when you get these media posts, especially when it comes down to picking all conference teams. I mean, offensive linemen, most of the time, guys just go with the linemen that they may have heard about from the best team in the league and don't really get into the nitty gritty or the linemen that are getting kind of the most publicity. So that helps a guy like Graham Barton from Duke, who in a lot of years would probably be, I guess, looked over maybe first team or something like that. But because he's kind of been getting out there and you see the PFF uh, graphics with him on there as one of the best tackles in the country, I think he'll be good to go. But, yeah, a lot of times people just look at it that way, especially with the line. And those are the hardest positions oh, yeah. because I know I try to vote with integrity. So I try to make sure <laughs> I do my due diligence on the linemen before I choose guys. Uh, on the line, now the skill guys obviously a little bit easier, but you know, man, like you said, you you always going to have people with agendas and people who want to get their guys on there and things of that nature. So it, it's always a toss up. So you're telling us right now that you're going to vote with so much integrity that when that one vote comes in for Mitch Griffiths to win ACC Player of the Year, you're telling us right now that that was not you. <laughs> That would not be me. I definitely <laughs> try to vote with integrity. So no, you won't see a Mitch Griffith player of the year vote for me until next year. Uh, is that because it's going to Riley Leonard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Riley Leonard. <laughs> we have the chance to talk to Riley Leonard. I'm excited about that. So Riley Leonard, he's going to be, he's scheduled at least to join us tomorrow at 216 when we do Wes and Walker. Wes going to be joining us out there and he will be on the mic for the last hour of each of the next two shows. So it should be a lot of fun. Don't have to call in. We could be out. We could be a band fully formed once again. That's Wes right. Bryant out there at the Westin. Follow him on social media at West Bryant underscore 72. Wes, I didn't even ask you about last night, though. So you already got the festivities kicked off. How was last night? Yeah, it was cool. It was like a, a leadership function, so to speak. There were a lot of student athletes from uh, around the ACC in attendance, and we were to come there, uh, you know, and speak with them. I don't know if I'm the greatest example, but I feel like I'm a pretty good one unless they you know, came into the fishbowl to see what we had <laughs> I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, just talking to them about their journeys and what they want to do and where they're at. And so at first I thought they were going to sit us amongst uh, people from our schools, uh, and that was only a couple of deeks, but they just told us, you know, you can just sit wherever. 
So I sat with a table full of very smart, sharp uh, young women. Uh, there was Sky, who played soccer for Miami, and then I had Piper to play lacrosse. No, she played field hockey for Duke. Then there was, um, I believe her name was Everett, that played lacrosse for Syracuse. And then Gabby, I forget what sport she played for Louisville. I'm sorry, Gabby. So it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting hearing some of their stories, uh, just their experiences. And the NIL topic was pretty interesting, too, because even though uh, none of them really had huge social media followings, but they still had NIL opportunities, and I found that intriguing, some of the things that they were getting into, and then just hearing about their experiences and their thoughts about you know, going out into the world once college is done and all that. So I really enjoy stuff like that. Got to give them uh, my experiences and only the way that I can. All right. Queen City icon, community leader, Wes Bryant, joining us on <laughs> one half of Wes and Walker here, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wes, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you one more time. All right. No doubt, guys. I'll talk to you. All right. Let's uh, talk a little bit more. College football, not ACC but maybe AAC. Coming up on the other side of the break, Team Week, it continues. Let's break down the offensive unit for the Charlotte 40, uh, 49ers upcoming football team. How are we going to transition from last year under Will Healy to this season under Biff Pogey? We'll discuss it coming up next. Once again, it's Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 FM.